Hey, what's up, guys? This is Julie Gett, and you're listening and watching to Broken Girl Unchained podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Central Valley Automotive in Modesto, California, as well as Takapaw Media. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Juliet, and you're listening and watching to Broken Girl Unchained podcast. And today's a very exciting, unique, as well as, I don't know, I'm just excited. I'm excited to have you here, and I'm just excited all around to have everybody here. So today is our rock and roll episode, I guess. <laughs> I guess we're, yeah, I'm claiming and it. And I'm right? very excited to be here. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Right. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Michael Strider. I am a career uh, rock and roll photographer, and I have a nonprofit organization called the Life After Project. So we spread awareness to mental health, to uh, substance abuse, and to domestic abuse. And do you want to um, give us some background as to how it got started, or do you want to, like kind of dip into like who you are uh you're the boss so how about you, you give me some background <laughs> as far as who michael is who michael like is. who that's like a, unchain your fucking a, self so what made you decide to come to la how about that and you know what i'm so sorry why don't we go ahead and introduce my lovely and talented yeah, beautiful co-host with beautiful hair. <gasps> yes, I'm so sorry. I'm you know I'm I'm so bad at this. Miss Sage W. Stevens. Hello. Hi, Hi Sage. Hi. <laughs> Hi everyone. Glad to be here. I'm so first, sorry about that. Well, I was a guest on the last one. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And you know we she she pulled everybody together and she pulled every oh my god this girl can pull some strings let me tell you <laughs> like she works some magic right i love She's pretty amazing she is thank she you, is thank you. so um let's go ahead and get back into your interview and i i want to apologize to you both um you know trying to get here and everything uh, my Mikel and i <laughs> were a little bit scattered um but let's go ahead and dive right into uh who michael is and who you are as a person unchain yourself with us i was adopted when i was six weeks old so that's kind of as far back as we can go, I guess. <laughs> Have you always known you were adopted? I've always, that's really crazy because I've always known they told me, like when I was old enough to know anything, my parents told me and explained it to me. So I'm going to say it was probably... Before you really consciously remember. Two years old, probably, or something like that, or right. three years old. And uh, I used to always, I used to always joke with my parents about... Because I, I would say, well, you bought me, so I wanted them <laughs> to buy me a brother or a sister so I would have someone to play with. And um, I was raised an only child, and my birth mother found me out of the blue when I was 30 years old. 
Wow. Just like that. So how was like the selection? I mean, how was the process? Did she... Um, was it a private adoption? Yeah. Was it a government adoption? Well, in those days, uh, they did it through an adoption agency. Right. But it's everything is sealed okay. when you do that. Well, in those days it was. You couldn't come back and say, well, I changed my mind or something like that. It, it, you know, yeah. you, once you did it, it was done. And, yeah. no, and no changing your mind. No changing your mind. No, 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 no turning back. No seller's remorse. Right. Sorry. That's, <laughs> no t- that's true, though. <laughs> no turning back. So, you know, they adopted me. Um, uh, my birth mother was, was very young and probably did not need to have the responsibility of a child at that time. Right. So luckily I was adopted by amazing parents and I had an incredible childhood. I've always said that I think they probably they probably thought that I was possessed by the devil at least a few times yeah. <laughs> while I was younger. I had Boys are uh, rambunctious yeah. for sure. And I had obviously I had abandonment issues and stuff like that from being adopted. And then when I was about 22, well uh, we'll go back a little bit. I used to sneak uh, we do you guys remember like 110 cameras, the little rectangular cameras? Oh this yeah, that you back. click, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, Mike, you remember? Right. And I would stick it down the front of my pants and go into concerts and just sneak up to the stage and take pictures. And I was like, wow, oh, this is really cool. And then when I was about 22 years old, I got a job working for um, Ted Nugent, and. You know the Motor City Madman, and mm-hmm. so he gave my friend a photo pass. Well, so my friend was with a magazine at the time, and so my friend got sick, and I had to take his place. And I just kind of fell into it and started working with all the different rock groups and stuff like that. And, um, but I kind of went from being this little kid in this incredibly small town in. North Carolina. I was very shy. Uh, did not have a lot of friends. Definitely did not did not have you know girlfriends and stuff like that. To being the center of attention when I would go to concerts, and it really affected me. Like in a how so? It was really crazy. I created like an alter ego mm-hmm. because I felt like well, there's no way that these rock stars are gonna like me. So I'll pretend like I'm a rock star. (laughs) It was really crazy. So, I mean, I created this alter ego that was just beyond belief. What was his name? It was just, there was really no name. I mean, it was just... How did you um, envision that ego? I mean... I felt like when I would go to a concert that, and, you know, the lights go out. And in my mind, everybody was cheering for me. I was the rock star. <laughs> nice. This is how this is how crazy it was, and when I would be, uh, you know, backstage with with people, I got to be friends with with some of the guys and you know some of the people that I idolized as a kid. When somebody like Gene Simmons says, "Man, dude, you gotta you gotta do something about that ego," I mean, that's really really. <laughs> That's really yeah. mind blowing and yeah, coming from Gene Simmons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's kind of like Ozzy going, "You shouldn't drink so much." <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot of very big lessons, and some of them were very difficult. And, and you know, I probably a lot hurt a lot of people along the way. But I finally got a hold of it and um, try to come back to the you know to put my feet on the ground. You're or right, ground yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I think any type of pain is humbling. 
It is. You know, and it definitely shapes you because you're not built in this box anymore. I mean, you're right. just, I don't know, you're not sheltered anymore. So it's like you, a little bit of pain and it, you know, those right. cracks in your soul or in your spirit, so to speak, it's like it kind of, def- I don't know, how would you put it, Mike? It like kind of gives you character. It gives you, it you know, it's character well, yeah. building. For sure. Right. Yeah. If you've never had anything bad happen, you have no mm-hmm. contrast. You have nothing to to contrast the good times from the bad times. From. Right. It, it was. It was. It got to be so bad that, uh, I mean, there was. You know, I had a period when it, uh, there was drugs, lots of drugs, lots of alcohol. Oh yeah, for sure, rock yeah, and roll. Lots of oh, yeah. women, <laughs> you know, supermodels and playmates. And when you're experiencing this stuff, and you've, you've never, you've never imagined that you were good enough for stuff like that that's the way that I kind of looked at it because I was very insecure so I compensated for it in all the wrong ways and I mean it got so bad that I mean I had to you know I I had to seek counseling because I didn't know you know am I this guy or am I this guy oh so it what did they think that you were like um what is it yes um, I don't think so. It just got to where... Let me diagnose you. <laughs> just kidding. It just kind of calls me money. <laughs> so Our I, show does. I mean, I think that... Um, we each get some. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You get a percentage. Right, right. Get, where's my, I think I lost my wallet. I don't know. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you a check in the mail. <laughs> I'm not looking for it like a dumbass. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So through a lot of work and just it was it was very difficult to kind of get away from it i think i still have a little bit of it you know because it's important to keep especially in this town you have to you have to have a little bit of an ego to live in, in this town i know right just a little just a little right so you, you know i ha- and i don't mean to interrupt but no, i no, no. i kind of do <laughs> um no hollywood is so bizarre to me it's so weird like when people start to become so fixated on you know looks it's like it's not even just looks it's looks money power yeah what can you do for me how can you do it how fast can you do it um (laughs) it is so fucking weird to me that's gonna be a trip like how how do you how do you stay kind of grounded and humble when you have all these all like these, here? Yeah, yeah, like all these people. Like um, you don't really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, now that I've lived in LA for a while, every time you leave and you go somewhere else, like to a normal place, you're like, oh my god, this is normal. These are normal people. <laughs> yeah. And people, when people are nice to you, like open the door for mm-hmm. you wait for you to go in I do that. they I, do that. I mean some people in LA do do that but yeah. you know when when people are just nice gentleman. yeah I, with COVID I have found that some people are being more like cordial and civil uh-huh. to one another and then other people are just running you over but yeah. you know just letting you go first in line or you know like at the bank, this person let me go ahead of them. You know, just little it's niceties. Little, it's those yeah. little things that right. really matter. But, you know, this is this is what I was trying to get at. It's like, you know, we're all going through our own trials right now, right? Being isolated and going through all of that. It's just like, I would think that, you know, people would be a little bit more humble or a little bit not here. <laughs> not, in, not in this town. <laughs> but Sage, I've, when I've, I first met her, right. she was like like 
super nice and like super humble and super down to earth. And she was super patient with me. And we sat by the pool at the Roosevelt and, you know, I'm fighting with my bank for like what two, <laughs> two and a half hours, hours? Three hours. Yeah. yeah and she was just like oh girl it's okay i'm like well, who are pool. you right now <laughs> you're at the roosevelt yeah what do you what do you have to complain about i know she called me and she was just like i can't believe it i've been on the phone for two and a half hours and i got all these people she's like yeah she invited me to the pool to like so we could get to know each other and relax a bit but she had to deal with all that and i'm like okay well yeah she was totally cool about about it but i was just like oh my gosh like this is i mean and everyone else here in la were rude mean yeah. i mean just inconsiderate and i'm at sage i'm like who are you right now <laughs> yeah well, there are great I just, people mm-hmm. I mean, there are some great people here yeah i have had experiences where people have been you know very mean and and all that but um i just i'm not going to change how I want to be treated and how I mm. want to treat other people just to suit them or yeah, to the fit their narrative. Right. right. But at the same time, you know, I can, I can up it. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, did, you, did you take oh, that? Yeah. Did you take that personally at first? Like, and then is there a point where you just kind of get to fuck it mode where you're just yeah. like, Oh, it's just some, it's just another person being, you know, being rude or did, where did you come here from? Um, before here, Miami, so it was a good training. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I yeah. came from North Carolina. I'll, North I'll give Carolina. you the story of, of why, but uh, I have kind of a funny story. People always ask me, what's the the difference? You know, what's the differences? And obviously we know that, you know, the traffic and the, the cost of everything and all this kind of stuff. The weather obviously is awesome, but um, where I actually work, something really funny happened one time. Um, I work in, I'll just say I work in special ops for a company. <laughs> so we won't go into too much detail. Wait, but like special ops? Right. Like special ops? Special like ops? Homeland Security. Okay. okay. Like the federal government. Are you supposed to even say that? Are we allowed no, we to can, say you can, Are I they just going can't go to like haunt me down? They're probably watching us right now. No, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. Hopefully no, we, I just can't like go into, footage. I just can't go into detail about what. I do, obviously. Right. Um, I just got a message across my computer. It says, right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> they probably would. <laughs> I, um, I track bad people, so we'll leave it at that. Um, but I was late one day when I had been, I had only been there for like, I had moved to LA and I'd only been here about a month. And I'll, I'll never forget my manager at the time was this really sweet older guy, but he tried to be like a, like a grizzly bear, but he was really like a teddy bear. You just didn't take him. You just wanted to hug him. Right. And I, I, I got to work one day, and I was a little bit late, and he pulled me into his office, and he said, Officer Strider, why were you late today? And I said, I'm sorry, sir. I gave up my seat on the bus to a woman. And he looked at me right in the eyes, and he goes, Officer Strider, you live in Los Angeles, California. You do not live in North Carolina. You will not be nice to people. Do you understand me? And I said... Yes, sir. I understand. And he goes, okay, as you were. Oh, my so gosh. That's fun. It's it's funny in a way, um, but it, there was a little bit of seriousness to it in this town. I mean, people will, you know, as, as you've seen, 
people are not as nice here as they were where you came from, and especially not where I came from. Yeah, you have to have thicker skin for sure. It has to be very thick. But see, that's the thing. Why would you train someone not to be nice? Well, he he was partially joking, I would say. Yeah. But... I mean, as far I mean, I came here, and when I would, you know, I started going on dates and stuff, and I would open the door for a girl, and half the time when I would do that, they would get mad at me. Really? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. See, that's why we're Literally. opening up the gentlemen's club because it's like it's really, really hard for you know women to find those true gentlemen's yeah. because you know I think that you know society today they groom the men to like you know the woman's not worthy enough or the woman isn't has to be at their level or be higher or whatever you know it's just like it's really weird to me maybe i'm old school maybe i'm old-fashioned but well i mean i've i haven't let that change me and i didn't let it change me obviously when he said that Uh, that's definitely something that i'll never forget in my life um but as hard as this town is i mean i'm i'm not going to change who i am but I, like you were saying, Sage, when you go back home and when I go, when I get off the, the airplane in North Carolina, I become a completely different person. Right. When I come back out here and I get off the airplane, I feel like I have to be, you know, Your Superman ego. or whatever. You have to turn it up. Um, I do have to turn the ego back on a little bit. You really? have to, you have yeah. to do that because I mean, people will eat you up out here. You can't be nice. I mean, they take nice as weakness. Yes, they do. But see what's wrong with being kind. Well, I'm I'm always kind unless I'm given a reason not to be. Yeah, I think there's respectful and then there's disrespect. Right. I right. just you sort know? of treat people how they treat me. Exactly. Like. You, uh, that's true, and I do the same thing. Um, you know, I try to do it. I mean, biblically, biblically speaking, treat them the way I want them to treat me. But it turns out to be more so. If you're cool with me, I'll be cool with you. Yeah. 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 So why don't you know, we talk about like how uh, the Life After Project, it, you have supported Broken Girl Unchained for a while now. And, um, you know, I love the cause of your organization. Why don't you talk about the Life After Project? Well, what got me started basically is I moved here about four and a half years ago, almost five years ago. And I came here because I was working on a book and I did not have, at that time, we had not created the organization. So I came out here specifically to create a book as a photographer. And it consisted of celebrities that were advocates for suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, one of my best friends from childhood uh, was uh, bipolar and he had taken his own life. Um, That's been about 10 years ago. More recently, another friend of mine, one of my very, very good friends that was uh, um, mentally handicapped, he was a wonderful, wonderful person. This guy, his name was James, and he was the world champion power lifter for the Special Olympics. And I had known him for about 15 years. Uh, I met him through a WWE Hall of Fame friend of mine from... Virginia, uh, Jimmy Valiant, the boogie woogie man, and I'd met James because he was a big into wrestling, and he was a he was a big guy, a really big guy, and he called me on my days off every single day that I was off from Virginia. He would call me, and um, it was just you know our we were like brothers, and 
I always felt terrible because he was depressed pretty much all the time because everybody shunned him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. Uh, he never had a girlfriend. He always wanted a girlfriend. And I tried to tell him, although it never worked, I tried to tell him that girls were, relationships were very difficult and, you know, he was better off without a relationship. But, <laughs> you know, and they are very difficult. But I tried to make him feel better, but you just couldn't, you just couldn't do it. And uh, I got a an email one day from Jimmy and he said, Michael, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, we just got word that James had died. And for a split second, I thought he killed himself. And then I was like, hold it. <laughs> no, he couldn't kill himself because number one, he would not, he would not have known how to do that other than just shooting himself. That would be the only way. And um, then I thought, well, he probably had a heart attack. And so about two weeks later, I got a call from his mother and she said, well, he had been on a chat room and yeah and somebody told him how to do something oh my what? god and so yeah. he happens a lot yeah and he drank a beer and then he drank a gallon of drano oh my god so he that's died I, a horrible horrible that's death terrible. Yeah. yeah it was horrible and he had always James always told me that he wanted to, you know, he wanted to come out here and he wanted to live out here with me. And I, I always told him, I said, James, let me tell you, just take my word for it. You do not want to live in this town. <laughs> it's just not good. It's not right for you. Um, it's very difficult for me. So, you know, we can see each other when I come back home to visit. And so she knew that he always wanted to be out here. So when she... Um, she cremated him and she sent part of his ashes to me. Oh, so I'm that's so sweet. sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, it suicide it's part of life. Yeah. Well, no, it's not part of, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, I think like I'm very open about being a suicide survivor right. and I've told you my story. Right. And I mean, half the world probably has heard my story. Um, you know, Mike has his own story and, you know, it's very, it's sad when how quick you can go to that dark place. Right. And if you don't have that inner confidence that everybody should have and that this is why Broken Girls mission is still going is because, you know, we want to build up people's confidence. We want right. to empower those. But if if no one's empowering one another, then we're just going to take matters into our own hands and go where it's safe it's like, a, to us. Yeah, it's a very difficult I think, I don't know where society took the turn, but I think with social media, I mean, it's very easy to... Yeah, social media with the bullying and yeah, the pressure. But I also wonder, though, with suicide, is there is there a physiological, like, is there hormones or, I think so. or other be. things switching? Yeah, I, I think mean, so. for your brain to... For could, your brain to right. switch that to... T because I don't think our fight and flight response and, right. and just innately i don't think that we would do that well i think that it's there's a very big difference in um being depressed and having depression sometimes which everybody does and being clinically depressed, depressed. right i mean clinically depressed and you have issues that's a that's something that we can't even imagine unless you actually yeah experience i've been it. clinically so, well i should have been 
Yeah, I think that I'm not sure if, if James was clinically diagnosed, but I know that my other friend was. How did your other friend, if you don't mind me asking? He shot himself. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. He shot himself, but I, he he did it with a very small caliber gun. And so I got to to talk to him before he they pulled the plug on him. Um, I, I got to talk to him. Obviously, he could not move or respond, but he could hear me. Oh, wow. So, so why did they decide to... You had to. I mean, it just... Yeah, at some you, point... If you do something like that, either even if it's a small caliber gun you're you're over i mean you're not you don't you're not going to have a life after that and they didn't want to keep him they just didn't want him to be alive and be in a hospital bed and so you know everybody came to say her goodbyes and stuff i remember i'll never forget i told him that i loved him and that I, that everything was gonna, everything was going to be okay and he um a tear rolled down his eyes and they took him off like 12 hours later and that was it but we knew we knew that that was what's going to happen, and he would—he would not have wanted to. He—he he thought that nobody loved him, and you know, and he knew this when we were all standing around him in the hospital bed. But it was too late at that point. But he would not have wanted to live like that. You know, I don't think anybody wants to live like that. So, he was a donor, and other people got, you know, his organs and stuff, and so that's kind of what started the, the very beginning of it. But I didn't start the the actual nonprofit until a couple years of being here doing the book that I wanted to do and I'm still working on it but it's very very difficult and Sage you know this trying to deal with celebrities <laughs> and get celebrities to do photos and they're not getting paid oh yeah um very very difficult <laughs> in my mind it was going to be a smooth operation obviously. well yeah because you automatically think that yeah. people have empathy and, and people have yeah no, I mean, some people for the record i have met and and worked with some of the too. most amazing me people too. yeah uh, in the world and a lot of them are celebrities and they are amazing people but that's just not the norm especially in this town like we were saying it's they it, care when the when the cameras are rolling right or if it's something really close to them right that they but to just, I mean, I do understand there's so many organizations oh, out yeah. there and they get hit up all the time. But, right. but at the same, you know, at the same time, some people don't say no very nicely. Yeah. Oh, and you, you, that's why it's like, that's another reason why I wanted to do Unchained in L.A. is because I wanted to talk to celebrities because I'm sure having that constant rejection, I mean, that has to do something to your psyche. You know what I mean? Constantly. It'd be hard for them to admit it, though. Yeah. Um, it's very... I've, what I've seen with what I do, it's very difficult for them to admit any kind of weakness in mental health. Um, well, you have to be invincible. Weakness. Like, you have to... Yes. And the other thing is to, to be an actor or a writer or a director. I mean, you have... And you come to L.A. And when you come... You have to want it. Like, you have to want it more than anything in your life mm -hmm. and yeah. if you aren't willing to sa like you're gonna sacrifice to yeah. get there everything so, yeah so a lot of people yeah they don't want to talk about that part either right yeah right. yeah so we basically uh, the really good stuff started happening one day when i was talking to a, one of my very close friends his name's brian whitfield 
and he's an entrepreneur. He owns a couple of salons like in San Diego and in Alaska, he and his wife. And I had worked with his wife several times. She's a uh, uh, hairstylist, amazing. So he said, well, why don't you do like a real 501c3 nonprofit organization? And I was like, well, I never thought about that. I don't know anything about it. And so he does. And so between myself and him and uh, a supermodel, her name is Julie Anderson, and she was the creative director for us and still is. Um, so the three of us together put it to, you know, did the 501c3 and we... That's a very hard process. Oh my God, it's almost impossible. Yeah. Especially in this state, you have to get approved through the state. Then you have to get approved through the government. Yeah. And see, what we did is we went from suicide prevention by itself to uh, mental health, substance abuse and domestic abuse so the more that you cover obviously the bigger chances that you have of of being approved right so that's what we did and we 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 you know expanded everything and you know we've got some really huge things and on you the you hold events as well right to raise we, money and stuff like right, that we had we had just been planning something i guess it was in march for june um i'm not sure if you guys heard but uh, there was a girl in town that was uh, basically a celebrity therapist, uh, a sex therapist. She she was just a therapist of all around everything mm -hmm. that you can imagine. Family therapist, mental health, right. and her name uh, was Amy Harwick. Mm -hmm. um, and Drew Carey's Drew ex Carey's ex fiance, right? And she was attacked by a psychotic ex boyfriend from ten years prior. She had taken out two. Uh, Restraining. Restraining orders, you know, which that's not going to help you if somebody wants to hurt you. And so, you know, he he was waiting for her in her house um, the night of, I guess it was uh, Valentine's Day. Attacked her and threw her off the balcony and she died, yeah. unfortunately. So we were going to do something in her memory. And, you know, now the COVID thing hit. And so we're still going to do something, but... It's going to have to be, I mean, we have no idea when this is going to happen. Right, right. Now, if we can talk about more about uh, your passion and where, what direction you want the Life After Project or what do you, where do you see yourself with your organization, like in 10 years? or? Well, we have some big plans in the works right now. We want to... We're going to do something in honor of Amy, mm -hmm. and we're going to open a freestanding facility in North Carolina that helps women and children who have been victims of domestic violence. Uh, so we're going to do that. Both of us are from North Carolina originally, and I think that my uh, my tolerance is kind of you know dwindling very quickly <laughs> for I, this town. So yeah. we're going to do it back in North Carolina, where it's it's a lot easier, and you know for for many reasons. So, but that's what our, that's yeah. what our plans are right now. Okay. Hopefully in 2021. That's amazing. Is that to break ground in 2021 or have yes. it open by then? We want to do, we want to do up and running in 2021. That's awesome. Now, what type of um, support are you going to offer? Is it going to just be like, are you going to have therapists there? Are you going to, you know, provide like option, maybe like shelters or I don't know. We want to have a combination of things. We want to have a place, a safe place for them until they can get back on their feet. Definitely have therapists uh, to help them. Um, 
Like a rehab, maybe? Yeah, there's a lot of like stuff that goes into it. All your different programs. Right. And yeah. it shows, you know, help them with many ways to, to get away from, because I mean, they yeah. have to have therapy. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. You're fucked up. away from Yeah. It. I like, mean, let's be honest here. There's different types of abuse. There's right. mental abuse. There's physical abuse. There's emotional abuse. There's financial abuse. Right, right. You know, all of that is still abuse and you have to be mentally strong enough to get yourself out. Right. You know, and um, I've, I hate the word victim, but it's the reality. Survivor. Yeah. Survivor. You know, I was the aggressor at one point and then I was the survivor at the end you know because i think it's it becomes a pattern with and it takes two people to fight and of course for some it may even be like you know the male is the aggressor or the female is the aggressor sometimes it's flipped yeah and i mean a lot of times it has to do with your family you know, dynamic yeah. yeah before you know as a child and stuff it's you bring a, it into your adult right right exactly and with uh with amy's situation and i'm not even going to say his name his father had also been uh arrested before and had a restraining order against him oh my gosh for a girl so oh. for his ex-girlfriend yeah. or whatever and so i didn't know that yeah so it was learn patterns exactly right. yeah so you bring that into your adulthood for sure right and i mean he um you know this is a woman that helped everybody that she could and she tried to help him too and um it ended terribly, and I'm I, for for whatever reason I have no idea. I can't explain it, but I was just knocked off my feet mm-hmm. when I heard about it. For sure. And um, after a couple of weeks of being like really depressed, I was thinking, I was like, "Oh my God, what is it?" And somebody was a friend of mine was like, "You didn't even know this girl," and I said, "Well, I don't know what it is. Something." Something is really crazy about it. And then somebody started talking about past lives and stuff. And I was, I don't know anything about that, but comes to find out that I had photographed her 11 years ago, 10 years ago, or something like that. Oh, so wow. I had actually taken photos of her way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, regardless, I was deeply moved by it. And, um, and with my job, um, without going into details, I mean, I deal with. A lot of personalities. Horrible, horrible. The worst, the worst in the world. Yeah. Uh, You know, really bad, evil, evil people. And I I kind of felt like I had never seen or experienced evil until this happened. Yeah. And I, you know, it was just like. Because he plotted it it, out, right? He was, he was there waiting for her, which is lying in wait. Um, That's eligible for the death penalty in California, even though we don't have a death penalty now. Uh But it was just. It was just horrible, and you know, I felt guilty. I was like, "Well, why couldn't I have done something to stop this?" But I mean, obviously, I couldn't because, you know, I didn't. I wasn't yeah, friends with her, and, yeah, right. and, and did not know anything about the situation or anything like that. Um, but yeah, when something like that happens, you automatically feel helpless, and right, just right. even because we're good human beings, you know, <laughs> I right. mean, you, you, we automatically have empathy, and. Um, you know, it always plagues me how people can be so evil because it's like, yeah. how would that's fucking learned behavior? Of We're course it born is. And he, pure, he learned it. He learned you know? it for sure. And, uh, you know, yeah, and but, I mean, how long have they been broken up for? I mean, 10 years. Oh, I shut mean, what makes fuck. you want to come back and wow. do that to someone? How could you be yeah. obsessed with someone for 
that, that long. long. He obviously wow. had obsessed, some issues. Right. Obsessed with anyone, period. But for 10 years? That is... I mean, you, there has to be an underlying issue. Like, Mike, you're... you're uh, you know a lot about psychology and stuff like that. Now, I mean, would that have to be like a mental, like, I mean, some disorder of some kind, right? I mean, what would you label that as? Well, I mean, it's that obsessive part is, um, is definitely a, a psychosis of a, of, of a kind. Yeah. Right? It's where you, where you're, you can't let something go, you know, where you hyper focus on it. And some people will do that and it's, it's positive, right? Like I can, I can hyper focus on something creative and, and throw myself into that. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm sure you've right. seen this too. It with you have these brilliant musicians and then their personal life is just horrible. It, it's completely horrible <laughs> right, right. because that's their they've they've poured everything they have into that into that creative outlet and that's the only outlet that makes sense, you know. Right. right. Someone they escape. like they're running from something a lot of times. Yeah. Someone yeah. like him she was that outlet, that obsession, right. you know, just to not to uh, do a, yeah. a dime yeah, store yeah. psychology, you know what I mean? But that was that was the outlet, right? Yeah. Well, it's I, also a bit of ego, I imagine. Oh, oh God, for sure. Yeah. Like, how I, dare you? How right. dare you? Yeah, like, how dare you oh, yeah. not want to be with me? Yeah. It was horrible. And I mean, obviously, this happens every day. We just know about it with her because she was, you know, she was uh, in the limelight and she... You know, she. Uh, Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. Okay, so this is off the record, unless you wanted to be on the record. <laughs> um, since you have security clearance, have you ever like? Well, I guess you wouldn't throw yourself under the fucking bus like that. But would you? Can you get information like that on him? No. No. Because it's it's my um, his stuff was, you know, on a local and state level, I guess, and then my. My stuff is more other types of international. Yeah, bad people, exactly. Yeah, like mm. big, so big cartels. Right. <laughs> All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. 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 So That's I didn't want to say the T word, but yeah, I mean, so you know, I would like to to know more about it, and I don't, I don't know that there's any. She was with somebody at the time, right? Um, you mean as far as a boyfriend yeah. or something like that? I don't think so. Do you know of anybody that knew her? Uh, no. Half this I mean, town. I, I mean, I know, you know, through a friend that, you know. Right. Someone, but. Yeah, she she had a lot of friends. She was very, very outgoing. Um, so I didn't know her personally. I was trying to get Stormy Daniels on the show. <laughs> I, I was, um, just because of. She's, and how did that go? Uh, well, my uh, one of our sponsors um, was actually sponsoring her, mm-hmm. and um, he ended up when COVID happened. He ended up closing up because it just the supply and the demand that didn't meet. But right. so he was just like, I don't know. I shot her an email, but let's just wait until COVID, you know, calms down. Right, right. So. The city of West Hollywood gave her a key to the city. So I did not know that. Did yeah. they really? Yeah, they did. Yeah, because wow. I. I live in west hollywood so um yeah they gave her a whole they had a big ceremony and shut the front door yeah <laughs> you know i'm excited to see where your journey is going to take you and i hope to be a part of it some way well, or another somehow or another you will be so we're yeah gonna, i don't know when we're gonna you know, open the facility or exact spot in north carolina but i mean it's it's going to be a long process and there's yeah, a lot for of sure for a lot sure. of things that we have to do and you know licenses and permits and 
yeah. place and security twenty four seven stuff like that. When I had the women's empowerment event, I did a uh, a presentation for the empowerment. What, what was it called? A turning point. A turning point empowerment. Um, center in Modesto, California. And, um, I sat in front of women and in front of men and I told my story Mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe I was at that point, like where I turned my negative into a positive and I was, you know, giving my story to other people, not that it mattered, but in hopes of empowering someone to either, you know, fight through their abusive, uh, you know, relationship or through, you know, self-medicating or through, you know, thoughts of suicide or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an amazing uh, program that people put together to give that support. So I think it's quite admirable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. It's a resource that's that's needed. I mean... There's not enough of it. There's not enough, especially mental health facilities. You know, back in the 40s and 50s, we had the sanitariums, but that was a little bit different. But at least it was somewhere. Something. Something, you know. And then, you know, the reports of what was actually going on in those places was completely different. But there's a need. Yeah, Yeah, Most most definitely there's a need. People, there's a lot of people that need help and need support. And and there's not a lot of... um, Even in the celebrity world. Oh, you know, like I don't think there's enough support in that, you know, world either, because everybody separates the celebrities from the real people. At least I did until I started, you know, meeting people. And I started, you know, have now I have my own perception that these people are people like us, you know, they're just as messed up as we are. And a lot of times more, much, much, much more. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Much more. I mean, yeah. The Hollywood Hills are filled with, you know, people that have, you know, bazillion dollar mansions and are more depressed than you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's fine. that's really bad. Some unhappy people, some happy people, too. But yeah, there is like I said, there are some amazingly beautiful people that live here. Well, well, you guys are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, just inside and, so and out. Just inside and out. I mean, yeah, you don't have to. Saying. Like, this is all just this, a. This goes it, away. All this right, stuff goes away. Right, right, right. So and it's, it's your heart. Yeah. yeah. And I think that should be valued more than anything. Well, and Sage, you, know? you, you talked about that earlier in the interview with um, how it's kind of a almost a taboo subject in Hollywood or, or in this area for people to to be open is that something that someone that that admits to having like mental health issues or something like that would they be kind of blackballed could they or is that something that's more accepted or i think people would be very cautious about releasing that yeah because then then there's no then you're unpredictable yeah oh yeah and just the business of it they don't want you to you know the yeah see i would fucking crash and burn because i'm like an open book i mean even the first time him and i talked i was like, blah, 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 blah. It was like three hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> well when we first met i knew you weren't from la yeah <laughs> Sorry, exactly yeah, it's okay i think uh, i met with when i first started doing the book and i came out here i somehow arranged a meeting with um robert shapiro Oh, wow. The lawyer. Yeah. Wow. And I'll never forget this meeting as long as I live. I was in his 
lobby on the top of some skyscraper in downtown Los Angeles, and I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, this couch is more expensive than my house. <laughs> and his assistant comes out, and she goes, Mr. Strider, Mr. Shapiro will see you now. <laughs> and I can't describe the feeling that I got when I when I heard that and you know we walked through this whole big maze and his office was like really hidden in the middle of the entire place and I walked in and he's he comes up to me and shakes my hand and you know you can imagine he's got a really big grip mm-hmm. and he's he's not a he's not a big man I mean he's uh, not formidable he's a big man but oh. he's you know probably a foot shorter than me I'm trying to get the visual of him who is he? He was OJ's lawyer. Yes. Okay. He, okay. He's okay. been yeah. many, many people's lawyer, obviously many powerful people's mm-hmm. lawyer. And one of the things that he told me, because he does, he has a nonprofit organization as well. And uh, for his son, Brent Shapiro, who overdosed. Oh. And he said, Michael, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be blunt with you. Because uh, I, I just don't believe in being any other way. And I said, okay, cool. And he said, you're not going to get help from celebrities he said i've done it i've tried it and couldn't do it and you're not going to be able to do it and something inside of me was like "Hmm, i'll show him but as far as the book goes it was it's just overwhelmingly difficult to get people involved um to do that and so a lot of what he said was you know, right on the money. I wanted to try to be, and I'm still optimistic about it. I do think I'll finish it. It may be years from now. But Don't project out that type of energy. The universe well, pays I, attention. I would like, you know, like I <laughs> said, I would like to, to do it, but it's a book compared to us opening up a facility to help people like right now. Right. So we have to keep things in perspective. Yeah. So well, definitely set those goals high and keep them there. Yeah. And so right now we're focusing on you know, opening it up in North Carolina and being able to help people uh, on a much higher level. Um, so that's what we're focusing on right now, you know? I like it. It empowers me. And I mean, I've had people tell me like, oh, well, you won't be able to, you know, do what I'm doing now. You can't right? listen. I mean, you can't listen to people because they'll drag you down. Oh, for sure. Especially out here. For sure. And I've ha- I've had people like, you know, people tell me that, you know, you won't be able to work with celebrities or, you know, or I'm attention seeking, whatever. And I'm just like, you know what? Underestimate me. You know, I dare you. You know what I mean? Like, I'll make this part of my whole mission in life just to not only prove you wrong but prove myself wrong right, right. you know what i mean so that drive it I mean it gets you if you're hungry it does enough get you going. yeah if you're hungry enough i think that you have to be i'm not one of these people that's like okay positive vibes only you have to be realistic this life is as you see right now everything is not positive and happy so you have no. to be able to deal with your emotions in whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that comes towards you. you it's, it's so fucking rid- true. Yep. Yes, it's ridiculous to believe that everything is positive and happy because it's not. Right. So, Sunshine every day doesn't mix a desert, right? I know, right? <laughs> so we were, you know, optimistic about it. I've still got the, the still keep doing the book. Um, but I have to be realistic about the journey, the of, journey it. of it and how... And like we've it's been talking about, yeah. it's a lot of work, number one. And you're dealing with people that are not easy 
to deal with very often. Yeah. Now, a lot of them, I said, like a lot of them have just been fantastic, amazing. Mm. How many people do you have so far? Oh, probably 20. Oh, that's a really, that makes a really good book so far. <laughs> yeah, but I need probably 50 to, Holy shit. to, to do all of it. So, um, and it's not just, not just celebrities. It's, you know, I'm doing people. some everyday people with real stories. With and, comeback stories. That's right. what, th- cool I stuff mean, like that. and I'm a true believer that everyone loves that comeback story. They do. You I know, think they do. Yeah. So it's, you know, but we've just kind of. I, when I came out here, like I said, I didn't have an organization and now we do have an organization. The three of us, you know, put this together and there's absolutely, and this part, leave this part in for sure. <laughs> there's absolutely no way that I could have done any of this without, uh, Brian and Julie, mm-hmm. no way possible. Um, right. so I'm very fortunate to have met them and thank and, you, Brian and Julie. All uh, right. <laughs> Is it running here in California now, or? It's we are active. We are active right now in mm-hmm. California. So we're active all over the country. Okay. Um, but we're based in California, so we'll have to get approved in North Carolina, which shouldn't be an issue. But people can, like, you have a website that oh, people yeah. can lifeafterproject.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they can go there if they Donate. need help or right. Donate. They can go there, and there's lots of resources as 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 far as who to call and uh, I mean we have all kinds of resources on the site a lot of times people will ask us and they'll come to us for advice and we can give advice but we can't cross the line to obviously give we're not professionals right we're not doctors and we have people like that that we or lawyers right right. yeah yeah Yeah, so we we have to to tell them to contact you know your uh, local certain places yeah obviously yeah well we have a, a link to the life after project on our website as well so did you have any more other questions miss sage um well yeah just more about the photography stuff uh, what makes a great picture um the person looking at it <laughs> <laughs> i would is say there, is there a secret to getting a great picture i mean as long as you have a knowledge of how to take it basically and how to fill the frame and how to negative space right i mean the person of i've never taken one photography class in my entire life i did it like old school and i just went out and bought a camera Mm -hmm. i was engaged for the first time (laughs) when i was like 23 years old probably and i literally my fiance at the time and i were walking through the mall and i said hey i would love to have a good camera so I bought a camera, uh, Nikon, and... Uh, it was film, correct? It was film. Oh, Do my God. Do you miss film? Uh, in a way. But when I first... I mean, literally, I was shooting film when I first became a rock photographer. And I would... I, I used to have three cameras around my neck. And I would throw these cameras mm-hmm. around. And um, one time, I actually dropped one of them, which was catastrophic but I remember shooting kiss one time and I actually took about 350 shots now this is this doesn't sound like a lot now obviously but with film but when you're shooting film and you have 36 pictures per roll and I mean I mean this is in you would have to do the in the dark room right and like I didn't do the dark room oh okay um, if it messed up, I wanted to have somebody to blame. I didn't want to blame myself. Right. So <laughs> I just I just never did that. Never got into it. But 
I would take, I took about 350 shots in about seven and a half minutes. Wow. So I'll never forget that. But I, I mean, I, I liked it a lot, but the problem with it now is I look back and I'm like, how did I ever survive that? Because I can't look at it as I'm shooting. Right. I mean, you just set the camera adjustments and you just started, you know, pow, 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 pow. I mean, and then you had to go to the lab. And but you do had, you not think there's some magic in the not knowing? There's a lot of magic in it. Like in the not knowing. This yes, is there is. And especially, I really liked shooting black and white film. That was really great. But I think we're kind of spoiled now, or I'll speak for myself, but I'm, we're all in the same position, I guess. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was an adventure. Sounds like a fun one. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It really was a lot of fun. And I used to, I used to just, I was approached, the first time that I was approached to work for KISS was literally backstage at one of their concerts. And um, the guy that's their guitar player now, Tommy Thayer, who used to be their manager, came up to me and he said, hey, dude, you want to shoot the show uh, for Peter Chris? And I said, of course. And he said, well, what about the magazine? Are you shooting for a magazine? I said, yeah, I'm shooting for a magazine. He said, well, what about the magazine? I was like, fuck this magazine. I don't care. I'm going to shoot for Peter Chris. So <laughs> I, I had like three rolls of film on me. So I borrowed like two rolls of film from all the other photographers <laughs> and shot, you know, for that night. And then the next night, and that was the last time that they ever played together, like as an original band. Wow. So that was probably one of my coolest experiences. And it was with film. It wasn't with digital, obviously. Now, were you allowed to go on the stage? Because he's, he's kind of back him. at the drum riser, right? right? I, was, so it's... I was on stage with him. I was on the drum riser with, with Peter for some of it. Uh-huh. Um, so I was on stage, and I was in front of the stage, and we were backstage. All, pretty much everything. So I have lots of cool pictures. Originals. Do right. you still have them? I've got everything, yeah. Wow. How cool is that? A lot that? of cool stuff with it. Groupie what's your what's your memorable <laughs> oh i'm sure <laughs> what's your most memorable uh aside from that aside from your aside kid. from that yeah. one um i always liked shooting at the at the old uh rfk stadium in washington that was really cool uh with no doubt uh, i remember a really huge show with no doubt and the foo fighters and you know some other bands but craziest thing that ever happened to me was I was shooting Rob Zombie in at the at a place called the Norva in Virginia Beach and it was incredible and I was shooting and they only wanted me to shoot like the first couple of songs because you know the deal with it they you know the lights are over 100 degrees and they start to lose their luster very very quickly mm-hmm. they get all sweaty yeah very lots quickly. of sweat and they yeah. they start to <laughs> slow down and they you know you can only go with that pace for a right. little while so i'm shooting the first couple of songs okay cool and i pack my stuff up and i'm going out of the pit well the manager goes no 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 just do one more go ahead and i was like all right cool so i go back in and i'm shooting and his wife is up here on the top of the stage, and she's always up there dancing. She's wearing her bikini, and she's incredibly <laughs> beautiful. And his guitar player is over here. So Rob is running back and forth. I've already got enough shots of Rob. So I'm shooting his wife and shooting uh, the guitar player, probably shooting his wife more. We'll just be honest about it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, so I'm facing like this way. He comes up behind me, and like he's punting a football and kicks me in the back of the head three times. Oh, shit. Sure. Uh-huh. 
And before I knew it, I it knocked me to the floor, and I was like, "What the fuck? Are you kidding?" So I stood up, and I was looking for this dude, and he ran to the back of the stage, <laughs> and. So I, you know, I had to get out. So I just kind of composed myself and I got my stuff and I went outside and I was like, man, I can't believe this happened to me. And for a split second, I thought, should I say something about this? You know, and this was in, right. It was, this was in 90, it was two weeks after he put out the original Halloween. So was it 98 or 99 or something like that? Not, no, no, no. It wasn't that late. It was 2000 and something. I don't know, whatever. A couple of weeks after and uh, I was like, okay, well, if I say anything, I'm probably going to be blackballed. Yeah. So stupidly, I did not say anything. And I just left and drove home five hours. Well, in that five hours, I called every single person that I knew. And without question, every single person that I told that story to, every single person goes, that's fucking cool. And I was like, did you hear what I said? I was assaulted. And I mean, it, the same thing happened to a female photographer like two years ago, I think Queens of the Stone Age. And you can see the video of the guy just kicking the crap out of her wow. in the head. And it, you know, and I, I sent her a message. I said, look, I've experienced this. Right. So don't let it go to, you know, to waste. You mm-hmm. need to, you need to report it and you need to file charges and, I never did. I got an apology on Monday morning from his agent and his his publicist. They were apologizing, but yeah, you know, and little stuff here and there with like Marilyn Manson and and people like that. I mean, I had to have bodyguards a couple of times. I've I experienced a lot of crazy stuff, but it was the way that I looked at it. It was rock and roll, and they were just being yeah. rock stars, mm-hmm. just being well, part of I'm, the job. Yeah. They, yeah, it was just part of the job. To me, in my mind, it was just part of the job. And it's not part of the job. No, it's not. Mike likes heavy metal and rock, so to speak, or alternative. How, how would you describe that genre? Or Rob Zombie is metal. Yeah. No, not Rob Zombie. That genre of music. Metal. Metal, right? Yeah. So it's pretty physical. It's pretty like there's yeah. mosh pits and right. like... Yeah. Yeah. And see, I could if I had, <laughs> you know, I, at first I was like, obviously I wanted to get my hands on this guy, but if I had done that, you know, there was a thousand people behind me <laughs> right. that, that yeah, probably, probably would have attacked me. You'd have so, been the nut job that got yeah. in a fight with Rob Zombie right. at his concert. Right. Yeah, so they would have, it would have gone, it would have gone south. Yeah. So it was an experience, I guess. I mean, there was... It's a story to tell. Yes, it is right, definitely a story. Right. And we all, have, and I, we and all have many of them. Trust me, I'm not saying it to, you know, I don't want anything from him or anything like that. I'm just, it's just a, a story. He was just being a rock star and, you know, that's what happened. That's crazy. You know? Sage, anyone ever kicked you in the head on a red carpet event? <laughs> Does it get crazy like that there? It gets very aggressive. Does the, it? Oh my the, god! Oh, I, I, oh my god! On the golden was it Oscar Golden Globes? Um, one of them, you know, it's just reporter report. You're, you know, your shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. and and you're trying to keep your space, and yeah. you know, you don't. And the the guy beside me, I've worked with him before, and you know, he's got his tripod set up and his camera, and then this other camera, and he's like, you know, and he's trying to take up as much space as possible. Right, yeah. so that means I have less space because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, between him and the next person. And finally, I just, you know, I 
I played soccer, so I just like, you know, I just put out my hip, hip. and my yeah. elbow, yeah. and you know, I just took up, yeah. I you had my other leg, head. I was just like ready She's to, like, you know, yeah. I was like, and I was just like, yeah. Like, defense. Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta, like, you gotta take to care defense. of yourself. You have yeah, to yeah. it's like, oh, plus he was being rude. And, you know, he just, right. he just had a whole lot of stuff. And everyone else around him was just sort of looking at him. Going, and Sage, let me ask you, being a red carpet host, was it, it, it's, it has to be, and you, I mean, do you both, I mean, you're a photographer, you're a red carpet host. Do you ever get starstruck? Oh, God, yeah. I have a few times. Really? Sage? I mean, there's people that I definitely look up to. Definitely look up to. Okay. I, well, I was star, I'm starstruck easily. I'm right, trying Mike? to think of who, who I was... I was like, oh my God, I, we by. got Sage Stevens. Oh my God, we got, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Michael Strider. He's like, calm down. <laughs> um, I think a few of them maybe would be Jerry Lee Lewis when I met Jerry Lee Lewis the first time. Because um, he's one of the originals with Elvis and all those guys. Yeah. And um, so Jerry Lee, um, I met Elvis's doctor, Dr. Nick, that same oh, really? day. He was working with Jerry Lee. And I was like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the first time I shot Kiss, I was just like, it was heaven. I mean, it was incredible for a kid. Yeah. It was a huge fan of these guys. And right. I did a shoot with, uh, I don't know if you guys know who this is, the Jerky, not Jerky Boys, the Trailer Park Boys. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's what we talked about. I love that, that show. Yeah. <laughs> love that show. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't watch that show. They're it crazy. Is so right. it's, a, it's in a Canadian show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Nova is. Scotia. It is a friend of mine. Very Canadian. Is, yeah, a friend of mine was on the show, and that's how I, I got to go to the set and hang out and do a shoot and everything. It was very cool. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So let me ask you both, Sage and Michael, what are your thoughts on social media? What the positive and the negatives, you know, the perceptions and because I have teenagers and let me tell you, it's a huge like, I mean, it, it can damage their psyche, right. if anything. Sage, How you go first. Passing this to me. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, you, go, you just go first. Ladies first. Ladies first. Um, <laughs> sorry, repeat that again. What What are your thoughts on social media? Like the negatives, the positives? For my own, you know, obviously you're showing just sort of one realm of yourself. You're not showing everything because you want to keep some things private or you, you just don't want people to see everything. And that, like for events, for example people see me dressed up i'm on the red carpet but they don't see all the work i did behind the scenes mm -hmm. to get there mm -hmm. right. and then sometimes when i have an opinion about something you know i have people attack me and i'm like and mm -hmm. they're like what and and some people go just get back on the red carpet like, like just, your quiet. just do your Does job it, and yeah like, your opinion and, right. and i'm like i'm you do realize like i probably rolled this red carpet out in heels and a gown <laughs> yeah okay That's, because the person that, that was supposed exactly. to be here didn't come mm -hmm. okay right. so like don't think i'm just some like prima donna like prissy girl that right can't. we talked about that yeah yeah people have really yeah. crazy misconceptions yeah. you know they assume that they know what the reality is and uh i mean that's not the case i mean we nobody knows what you have to go through and Nobody knows you have they to. They don't know the full scope of everything. They don't care. They just want to be a, the people. Just want to be mean a lot of times. Yeah. Social media is man. It is. It's it's crazy. it's harsh. It's a whole nother world. I feel like, and you know, and I'm very open. Right. 
people just know me for being an open book. Like right, I've always right. been told, oh, you're too much drama. Oh, uh, this, you always have something going on. And I'm just like, I'm just a fucking open book. Don't act like you don't fucking have problems. You know right. what I mean? Everybody this shit's does. real. Like, you know, what I go through is fucking real, you know? Um, but do I respect how people want to be private and keep some of that to themselves? Absolutely. I respect everybody's happiness and everybody's privacy. However, I don't choose to live that way. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to expose a little bit of my vulnerability, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to speak your mind, you know, because everybody's opinion is should be valued and it should matter. And, right. you know, not that I have to like it or I'm, I have to agree with you, but as long as everybody handles it in a um, healthy way, you know, then why not, you know, expose a little bit of that, you know? I think that's my only thought on social media because everybody's so judgmental and they're like, don't expose too much. Well, a lot of people, they don't look to do a bit of research on the person, they're just, they're just reading that one comment and and just maybe taking it out of context because they don't actually know you and they haven't gone to your page and looked at all right. these other things to get to know you better before they form an opinion. Right. But let me ask you this. What do you think about pictures? Like some some women, which again, I support everybody's happiness, you right. know, and I feel like every woman should be comfortable in their own skin, whether it's showing nudity, whether it's showing, you know, whatever they feel comfortable with. Um, what are your thoughts on social, which with social media and women showing cleavage or side boob or whatever, or their ass? Um, or twerking it fuck it I think I mean I've, I've been I support twerking too <laughs> a lot of times I've and especially with my female friends uh, not girlfriends but female friends but you have a lot of them uh, not as many as no really not, not really a lot um, I have I, I tons and tons of friends yeah and some of them are females but you know not an over overabundance of I, I try to make sure that I'm friends with people that yeah. There's a reason that I'm friends with them and right. they are real people instead of being, you know, fake. There's a lot right. of fakeness in this town. But no, I have some really, really great friends. But I, I think it was last week somebody had commented, oh my God, I can't remember who, which girl it was, but somebody had just posted a few comments and I'm like, oh, sometimes it's embarrassing to be a guy <laughs> because guys uh, just... And when I was growing up, I don't know why, but I guess I thought that that women were the weak, the weaker sex. I think my my son's at that age right but now. At, you know, I'm going to be honest. The older that I've gotten, I feel I feel like it's not as not as a whole, but I think that men are are the weaker ones because guys just fall at the at the feet of, of you know beautiful girls and stuff like that and, yeah and especially at a younger age because you don't understand that there's more to relationships and more to women than right. just this me on social media i mean i think that it's definitely a great thing in a way i think that it's in some ways it's the most horrible <laughs> the most horrible invention of all time i mean look at the the way that the country is divided now uh, with the masks and stuff like that or whatever without going that into crazy? that. Um, yeah. I think that it's divided. 
I think that it's a good thing, but I would really hate to be a kid growing up in this in this day and age with it. But people have people definitely have their idea of when they see me or you or you or Mike on oh, yeah. social media, they create their own Perception. idea of yeah. their perception of what you know what I am and what I do. And um, you know, I let them do that. I I put up only the coolest pictures and that's probably my fault i mean i don't put up anything bad or negative i put up probably the the fun stuff and that that's what i let them see and so they create this stuff i had a guy one time this is really i'll never forget this and this guy came up to me and he goes man dude somebody told me your girlfriend's a supermodel and i said yeah she is and he goes wow you sh- you must never have a bad day. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, uh, "Only if you are know. you serious? <laughs> are you serious?" Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, man, you should be happy all the time." And I'm like, "Brother, that's just not that's not reality. It's not reality. Yeah. It's just not reality. It's a it's a big myth that people say. Well, if somebody's really beautiful, they're going to be incredibly high maintenance. That's not true. Yeah, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I yeah. think I, you know, when people first met me, you know, when I first, uh, I don't know, when I got out of my divorce, they thought that I was high maintenance, and I'm really not high maintenance until now. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you're in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I have to get this, I have to do this and do that. Right. But but what's high maintenance that I expect to certain things that that I want to be treated a certain way? I don't or, think that. No, is I high know that's not what they're. I know, but some people. To me. It's not high maintenance to me either, but like some people just think because you look a certain way yeah. that that you're going to you require. Know. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so what if I want to, you know, have my nails done every week or so what if I want to. No, it's not maintenance. I don't even know really what maintenance is. Yeah. I think that it's, I think that I measure it as in, I does this my... person drive me crazy? You know? And but what kind of crazy though? There's I different have, levels of crazy. Right. And I don't mean crazy as in certifiable crazy. I have not always been the best boyfriend uh, or husband or fiance or whatever. I have not always been the best at that either. What made you? What makes you think you weren't? Because they told you. Because I got divorced for the first one. I mean, was um, it by your choice? Was it? I mean, it what? was. I mean, it. She. She had an affair. She got pregnant. Oh, okay. Um, so I decided that it was yeah not best for us to be yeah, together. Yeah, that's unhealthy. And she was not a bad person. Yeah, it just wasn't. But I think that we, as we go through life, we have to look at things that happen to us and see how we could have been involved with it and what I could have done differently. And obviously, I'm not taking the blame for that decision that she made, but obviously, I played a role in. Well, yeah, that because happening. I mean, in in you know? in all honesty, when someone strays, it's because I wasn't you know the attention that she probably needed. Right. You know? Right. But what if now, and this is my, my theory, what if you're doing everything in your power to keep that person and they still stray? Sometimes it just... You're just not with the right people. Yeah. Person. I mean, it just, it's not your fault. I mean, some people are not made to be with one person, I think. Right? Would, would you say? I, I think that, you, and I also think that um, that relationships are for a certain time. Right. Um, maybe 
you know that person's good for you for that period for that period right like right. you're not you're not meant to be together for 20 years yeah. right maybe it's a five-year actually i read somewhere where they were going to maybe do that for marriage where you know you only sign up for a certain amount of years <laughs> like you have five years and then wow and then, and it's then like you, a car and, like a right, car well note. it is a contract it is an agreement <laughs> so you you sign the agreement and still death do you part you do it for I, five years and then you go back. Why does it have and, to be and, and renegotiate? And if you want out, you're out. Wow. And if you want to go back, I've there's never something heard that about before. that that yeah. I respect. You know what I mean? I think it's great. I think it, there's something about that that I respect because it's like, you know, if it was up to me and I was to go and you know renegotiate within yeah. the five years of my marriage, I would have been like. Where do I sign? Where do I sign out of this? Right, right. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm not, I'm not going yeah. to sign a new contract. Right. Or, or yeah. <laughs> You're not going to re-up. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to. Yeah. Renew so it. Renew it. Exactly. Right. But I mean, you know, do you think that men, okay, I don't think men believe in monogamy. No, I think, I, a, I think a lot of us do. I think it's men and women. I yeah. think it's a personality type. I don't, I don't think it's just men. I just. Yeah, I don't think it's just men either. No, I think it's I think it's both, and I think some do, and you know a lot. I think we're in in a day and age that, you know, especially in this town. Yeah, I've had many talks with like, um, I can't say who it is, but he was just like, you know, people they're they have open relationships. A lot of people, you know, they never really commit verbally. You know, they just, they have open relationships and they just, you know, they date. Are they uh, here in LA? Yeah, they're dating. They're not. Yeah, they're not like married. married. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thing is a relationship has, you know, people have boundaries, relationship Mm -hmm. have boundaries and everyone's going to be different. Like, you know, some, some women or some men, when you're walking down the street, if your boyfriend looks at another woman, they think that's cheating. Me? Right. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, don't, I think there's I a lot care. of beautiful like, people in the world, it, but I exactly. think that when your partner damages you, you you guys set that boundary when you guys are first together, right. and then if your partner breaks that boundary, then you're always going to be insecure. Then that is going to be damage. And yeah, but then you should leave if that's the rule and you don't like it, right. and they yeah. break it. Then that's for sure. I had that issue with somebody that I really, really loved, and uh, and I still do, from North Carolina. And I, in one situation, I had wandering eyes, and shouldn't have, obviously. I regret that I did. and But it obviously made her feel... Uncomfortable, Very yeah. uncomfortable, and very insecure, probably, about herself, mm-hmm. um, because of what I did. And I was to blame for that, and so... I think that will always be damage on a girl. Yeah, it is. I'm yeah. sure it is. And I mean, doing what you do for, you know. Right. You, I'm sure you know, like, how much damage, you know, cheating will do or, mm-hmm. you know, how much damage, you know, lying would do or something right. like that to someone mm-hmm. on someone's psyche or someone's personality. It's just like you're never quite the same once right. you're fractured like that. Thanks, Michael, for coming to Unchained in L.A. with Juliet, Michael, and myself, Sage Stevens. And uh, we're glad all the listeners will be uh, enjoying this conversation. Thanks for having me. It was an honor. It was a pleasure.